I want to read something to you that who's heard about this book? I, I highly recommend this book if you haven't read it yet. It's an, it's been out for a while. Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. If you haven't read this, some uh, Christian leaders have said this is the best book they've ever read in their life. And it is awesome. What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. It's just a tremendous book. He talks about how the world really resists grace because it's so not like the world, you know, and, and how he brings out stories that are just amazing about a picture of God's grace. And, but I want to read just a little short blurb here toward the end of the book that I think is so cool. Philip Yancey, What's So Amazing About Grace? Bill Moyer's documentary film on the hymn Amazing Grace includes a scene filmed in Wembley Stadium in London. Various musical groups, mostly rock bands, had gathered together in celebration of the changes in South Africa. And for some reason, the promoters scheduled an opera singer, Jesse Norman, as the closing act. The film cuts back and forth between scenes of the unruly crowd in the stadium and Jesse Norman being interviewed. For 12 hours, groups like Guns N' Roses have blasted the crowd through banks of speakers, riling up fans already high on booze and dope. The crowd yells for more curtain calls, and the rock groups oblige. Meanwhile, Jesse Norman sits in her dressing room discussing Amazing Grace with Myers. The hymn was written, of course, by John Newton, a coarse, cruel slave trader. He first called out to God in the midst of a storm that nearly threw him overboard, Newton came to see the light only gradually, continuing to ply his trade even after his conversion. He wrote the song, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, while waiting in an African harbor for a shipment of slaves. Later, though, he renounced his profession, became a minister, and joined William Wilberforce in the fight against slavery. John Newton never lost sight of the depths for which he had been lifted. He never lost sight of grace. When he wrote that saved a wretch like me. He meant those words with all his heart. In the film, Jesse Norman tells Bill Moyers that Newton may have borrowed an old tune sung by the slaves themselves, redeeming the song just as he had been redeemed. Finally, the time comes for her to sing. A single circle of light follows Norman, a majestic African-American woman wearing a flowing African dashiki as she strolls on stage. No backup band, no musical instruments, just Jesse. The crowd stirs, restless. Few recognize the opera diva. A voice yells for more guns and roses. Others take up the cry. The scene is getting ugly. Then, alone, a cappella, Jesse Norman begins to sing very slowly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, and now I see. A remarkable thing happens in Wembley Stadium that night. 70,000 raucous fans fall silent before her aria of grace. By the time Norman reaches the second verse, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. The soprano has the crowd in her hands. 
By the time she reaches the third verse, "'Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." Several thousand fans are singing along, digging far back in nearly lost memories for words they heard long ago. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Jesse Norman later confessed she had no idea what power descended on Wembley Stadium that night. I think I know. The world thirsts for grace. And when grace descends, the world falls silent before it. True story. Isn't that awesome? Lord, help us be the messengers of this grace. Lord, help us speak with the power of your spirit. To reveal the wonders of your grace. Of a kingdom that is not of this world. Of another reality. That has come for all people. That we might walk through a door that you have opened. That no man can shut. And experience a love from the Father and a life in you that is not of this world. Lord, help us see, help us speak that many might hear and receive the good news. Thank you, Lord, the grace of God. The grace of God, the grace of God. The world does thirst for the grace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, how you doing, Abby? This morning, I want to share some thoughts out, out there about how, not necessarily how, but um, just sharing the gospel with the unbeliever or sharing grace with um, an unbeliever. And um, I'm going to touch on certain things out there that, um, um, that I think are going to be really encouraging. Um, but I thought I'd talk about a few things in here and then we'll see what happens out there too. But one of the things that I think that, that I'm going to try to make a, a point out there, and I have more time in here to, to go into details, but um, one of the things I really want to uh, communicate this morning is I, I really believe this is a huge, huge understanding that the early church had that we are missing. It has to do, and we talked a little bit about this last Sunday in the class, but I want to talk about it a little bit more this morning because I think it's, it's huge. And that is this. It's, this. it's this whole thing, this phrase. I can't get away from this phrase. Um, the kingdom of heaven. The glad news of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Um, I believe that we have missed 
an understanding that the early believers had that, that, that made what they did and said so effective, so powerful. I think that many times when we're reaching, trying to reach an unbeliever, uh, a family member or a friend, I think many times we are, we th- we're thinking too churchy. We're thinking, I've got to invite them to my church. I've got to, I've got to get them um, in my church. I've got to get them to, um, to stop sinning. Or I've got to get them to stop doing something. Or I've got to um, get them right. Or, you know, there's, there, we have all these thoughts that we're trying to reach people. And it's not what the early church did. They didn't, they didn't think that way. Um, in fact, you know, history tells us that for, for 300 years, the early believers, never, it never even occurred to them to buy real estate and build a building and have a church. 300 years went by in church history. And the book of Acts talks about believers going from house to house and breaking bread and taking their meals together and meeting at Solomon's porch to hear apostolic teaching and, and meeting in, in cemeteries and meeting in fields and in public places and in their homes. And, but they never really thought about buying land and building a building. Now, now I'm not saying there's it's something wrong with having a place to meet. But I'm telling you, there was a mindset in the early church that went through hun- several hundreds of years where the church prospered and spread like wildfire and turned the Roman Empire upside down and they were not thinking like we thought or like we think in so many ways. And one of the ways that they thought that I think we need to recapture in the church is this understanding of the good news of the kingdom of heaven. They turned cities upside down, the book of Acts said, continuing the message that Jesus started. The very first thing Jesus said when he began his ministry, the scripture says he left Nazareth and moved to Capernaum in fulfillment of the prophet's words, Isaiah, who said, for those who, who live by the sea, the Galilee of the Gentiles have seen a great light. A light has dawned on them. And then it says, from that day, Jesus began to preach, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means it is in within reach now. Change your mind about your thinking, about God, about yourself, about heaven, about what God's ways for the kingdom of heaven is within reach now. It's coming now. It is within me now. It shall be in you is what he was saying. And many times he said it, it is among you now. And he, he gave his, his apostles the authority to go forth and tell the world that the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick. Cast out demons and tell them the kingdom is here. This is a sign that the power of God is here. The realm of God, the kingdom of heaven is here now. We, there's so many interpretations out there about what the kingdom of heaven is. And, and you read it and I read these things, you know, you, all these different ideas. And, you, you know, and the basic idea out there you read is, is it's the rule of God on earth. That's the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God on earth. Well, that's true. That's true. But it's bigger than that. It's better than that. I believe, and we see this in the scripture. We just, we've missed it. Paul said, we have been translated 
from the kingdom of this darkness, this world, into the kingdom of the beloved son. The moment we are born of the spirit. Jesus said the kingdom does not come like men think with observation like, oh, over here it is or over there it is. The kingdom of heaven is not acts of goodness or acts of kindness or acts of deeds, things you can see. He said the kingdom is not like men think. The kingdom is within you. See, the kingdom is the kingdom itself is a realm. It is nothing less than a parallel universe that coincides and is existent in this realm now on earth. It is another world that we can step into and live on earth in his world now. The glad news of the kingdom of heaven is that you don't have to wait you physically die to go to heaven. You can walk on earth now in a relationship with God as your daddy with no sin being counted against you, but righteousness only counted for you in the peace and in joy. For the kingdom of heaven is right. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. That is good news. It will turn cities upside down. Religion will resist it and fight it. But it is the glad news that turned this world upside down. They saw the kingdom of heaven as an alternate reality. You can step through a door which is Christ and live the rest of your days on earth knowing the favor of God towards you 24-7. Your sin will not separate you from Him. Your sin will not break fellowship with Him. For in this kingdom, only righteousness dwells. And that's why the dominion of sin is over in His kingdom. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Ah, I'm telling you, this is huge. This is huge. If the church will get this awesome, it seems too good to be true. You mean I can step through Christ by believing in him. And I can believe that he has removed my sin from me completely. And in that simple faith, I receive the gift of the spirit. And in that spirit... We are catapulted. We are moved. We are translated from this realm to another realm, seated with him now in heavenly places, in union with him. He, our head, we, his body. Now his witnesses of this realm to the earth. I believe Jesus said, Jesus said that the kingdom, the message, the good news of the kingdom of heaven must be proclaimed in all the nations, and then shall the end come. This is the message. It's not joining a church. Of course, we want to get together once we're in this realm, because we want to be with others who are in this realm. We can't wait to be with each other and break bread and meet. And Who cares about the building or not a building? But the, but the point is... The, the eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch could, could, uh, could be, could run a, a side of chariot and say, the spirit could say, join yourself to this chariot and talk to this, to this eunuch. Philip could talk to this eunuch and he'd say, I'm searching. What was this? What does the prophet mean about this? This suffering servant, Isaiah 53. And he begins there and tells him about Jesus. And he's, 
He says in, in his sharing of the, what Jesus accomplished, he said, well, why I, sit, I have water here. Why can't I be baptized here? Because he's in that. He talks about, and this is what we do as believers. It's, it's an act of faith because it means we died with him. And he raised, well, let's well, do it now. I want to do it now. And, and he did. And he disappeared. Philip disappeared. He didn't say you got to join the church in Jerusalem. Or you, you know, he, he introduced him to another realm. And that eunuch went to Ethiopia. Another man. He lived in another realm. And he began to tell others, you know, where I live now. Where I live. I love that when they first asked Jesus, when he, when he was baptized by John, and, and he, was about to, he was walking away, and, and uh, they, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Follow him. And they turned and they asked him, Jesus, where do you dwell? Where do you live? I love that because he's... He's given us clues. And he said, come and see. Come and see where I live. Where does he live? I live in my father. My father lives in me. I live by my father. And as I live by my father, so shall you live by me. I'm going to accomplish a work where you will be inside of me and I'll be inside of you. And because you're where I am and I am where you are, then my realm is where you are and you are where where my realm is. We are in his realm. It is. See, it's so powerful. I mean, it's another world. It's another world. That's why Paul said, why do you, why are you submitting yourself to uh, decrees like touch not this and taste not this as if you're still living in this world. It all makes sense now. That's why he would talk like that. Or Paul said to the Galatians, I'm telling you the truth. I've been crucified to this world and the world's been crucified to me. I'm no longer in it, of it, part of it. I'm not even here. For what matters is not circumcision or uncircumcision or doing or not doing or eating and drinking. What matters is a new creation. Mercy and peace be upon the true Israel of God who sees this. I tell you, this is dynamite. Do you know the world is searching for all, the alternate reality to bring them peace? Drugs, alcohol, escapes. That's why we like movies. We escape into the world of C.S. Lewis. Lewis saw, he saw this. That's why he made his movies the way he did. You know, this parallel universe. Am I overstating it? Am I overstating it? Didn't God show us pictures? What was going on when they were in bondage in Egypt? There was another land that was flourishing at the same moment. The land of milk and honey with land. The scripture says fruit and houses and beautiful land was there the whole time. He brought them out of a land of Egypt and bondage into another realm, another land, a picture of what he was going to do in the spirit. He began to tell us this in the flood. In the beginning, he showed us big strokes of this when he showed how we could go through a door on a ark. And that one door, if you go through that door, you'll end up in another world. A cleansed world. Having passed through judgment. He told us these in shadows and pictures. So now when he came, when the real came, we were, were slow to see it. But the early believers saw it. The scripture says in Acts 
chapter 1, verse 3, that for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to them and spoke to them of things concerning the kingdom of God. For 40 days, he would appear and disappear, appear and disappear, teaching them to walk by faith. I'm still with you, 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 talking to them about the other realm. And they went from city to city and proclaimed the glad news of the kingdom of heaven. It's awesome. And the number one thing, that, that's, that is part of the definition of the kingdom of heaven is the rule of God on earth. But it's just a small part of it. But I will say this, the rule, the main rule of God in that kingdom is this. That sin is no longer counted against the believer because of the lamb. Who shall bring any charge to God's elect? For God is justified. The one act, the one work of Satan is to accuse you. And the one rule of heaven is that the lamb sits on the throne and there is no higher authority. The lamb sits on the throne and there's no higher authority. Who shall bring any charge against you? 24-7. That is awesome. That is, the, that is the thing that unravels all of darkness. All. And that's why it's the cross that's the key. That's why it's the bread and the wine that we remember. It's the point of power. It's the, it's the point where the door flings open that no man can shut. It is a place of abiding righteousness by a gift. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. It's awesome. When Paul says the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, he wasn't saying it's a, the kingdom of heaven is doing righteous deeds and uh, peaceful deeds and joyful deeds. No, he's not even talking about deeds there at all. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is a state of being. The kingdom of heaven is a fixed reality where righteousness is always righteousness, where I am always righteous with the righteousness of another. Where, what did Jesus say before he left? What Jesus said before he left, he goes, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, my peace. My joy I give to you, he said. Not as the world gives, my joy. And you and I, in union with him, not only are we clothed and have actually, not just clothed, but by an act of creation, we've been made like unto him. For God calls raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. We not only have his righteousness in our very makeup in this new creation, but we also have his peace and his joy as a state of being. Why peace? Because there is nothing between us and God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's why it says we can go boldly to a throne of grace. Boldly, not timidly. Why do we have joy? Because, you see, the true gospel 
The true gospel, the true revelation of the kingdom of heaven that has come, properly understood, will bring joy unspeakable and a sense of fullness of glory. It is contagious. The early church could not help. They said, we cannot help but speak what we have seen and heard. This good news is not just good in the sense that, oh, well, that's good. You got a new car. Oh, that's good. <laughs> this good news is it, is it is so mind-blowing that we are slow to believe it. You mean I can wake up every morning and I don't care how I blew it the night before that God who has now become my dad is going to wake me up with a kiss and say, son, good morning. I love you. You mean I can live every day with no barriers between me and God? Oh, you mean the father puts that much value on the blood of his son. Oh, yes. You mean I am actually in union with him? Do you mean to tell me that my spirit is joined with the Holy Spirit and we're actually one spirit? Yes, it is written. You mean that I'm actually... One, I've actually already passed through death and I will not enter judgment? Yes, it is written, he who believes on me shall not come into judgment, but has already passed through death and into life. You mean I'm actually where he is now, seated with him in heavenly places, in that other realm? Yes. Oh, Jesus spoke to John. He said, John, son of man, no man has ever entered heaven. No man, no man has ever entered heaven but the Son of Man who has descended and who is now in heaven, John. Or Nicodemus, rather. John wrote that about that encounter with Nicodemus. No man has ever entered heaven yet because they all descended to Sheol awaiting the sacrifice. And he descended first that he might ascend and fill all things, releasing those in captivity and shield, taking captivity captive. So he speaks to Nicodemus and he says, no man has ever entered heaven except the son of man who has descended, who is now in heaven. Do you believe this, Nicodemus? What if the son of man were to ascend right now before your eyes, Nicodemus, and you could see it visibly? He said that. That's in our gospel. I'm not making this up. <laughs> it's awesome that's why he would say things like he who comes to me shall find pasture and go in and out and find pasture in and out what is he talking about two worlds two realms you shall be in the world but not of it he said no longer from below but from above I will not take you out of the world but I will keep you from the evil that's in the world you'll be my witnesses you will go in and out, 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 in and out. Find pasture for my realm, food and nourishment for my realm. Bring it to their realm and tell them what you've seen, what you've heard. Be my witnesses. Minister. See no man after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. For all men, and this, is, this is mind-blowing, all men have been reconciled. 
They need only believe. They need only receive. That's good news. As the boy spoke to Peter, and the unclean things were brought down in that sheet, and the boy spoke to Peter, he said, what God has cleansed, no longer called unholy anymore. So now we look at the world as God sees the world. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them. And now Christ in us beseeches the world to be reconciled to God. Receive the reconciliation. Receive the gift. But we do it as God does it. We do it in faith for the people. For God calls things that are not as though they are. Yes, they're still in their sin. Yes, they're going to die in their sin if they don't believe on Jesus. Yes, there's a judgment for those who don't receive the Lamb's judgment that the Lamb took for them. Yes, yes, yes. But God calls things that are not as though they are. Those unclean things in that vision came from heaven down. He sees them in heaven already. He sees the whole world saved in the work of his son if they would only believe. For he died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He tasted death for every man. If I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I will draw all men to me. I tell you, the early church had this view of another reality, an alternate reality, a parallel universe, the universe of God himself that was now among men if they would only believe. The the early church had a picture of a complete reconciliation for the whole world. They didn't look down on anybody. They didn't look like at anybody as being hopeless because it wasn't a matter of sin or what they could do or what they could not do. It was a matter of seeing and believing they would receive the life and that life would bring them to where God is into that other realm by simple faith, by grace. They, they, they lived that way. They saw things that way. And the Spirit of God confirmed the word of His grace with signs and wonders. It was a wonderful, awesome dynamic where they, in the book of Acts, they said they were all in awe all the time. In awe of the grace of God and the wonders that God would do among them because he will not confirm the word of the law and he will not confirm the mixed word of law and grace. He confirmed the word of his grace, the scripture says, with signs and wonders and unbelievable testations of this reality. And it drew them in. It drew them in. Why do you think the shadow of Peter would heal the sick? Because there was another realm inside of him. Why do you think Jesus could feel virtue go out of him? Because the realm was inside of him. The kingdom was inside of him and it could only be put inside of us after his work was accomplished. It changes the way we see the way we believe, the way we think. And now we're not trying to invite somebody to come to a church. We're trying to say, oh my God, if you could, only, if you could just see where I live. <laughs> you too can step over. If you would only believe that he took away your sin. That's all. It's not complicated. Very simple. Peter said, all the prophets bear witness that whoever believes on him receives the forgiveness of all sins. And when Peter said those words in Cornelius' house that day, in the book of Acts recorded in chapter 10, the scripture says the spirit fell immediately on all those who are hearing the message. And then it begins. Then the discovery begins. 
a simple act of faith and forgiveness, complete forgiveness, and the journey begins. The kingdom of heaven is like a man, like a woman who puts three measures of leaven in dough and lets it rest until the whole thing is leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who plants a seed in the, in the dirt and doesn't and rises night and day and sees it coming forth and knows not how it comes forth for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. They were weak people like us. What did they have that we don't have? It's more than just Pentecostal power. It's more than just, they had an understanding that the Spirit showed them of this reality that began to grow on the inside of them until it overtook everything. It overtook, it pulled down strongholds in their minds like a virus in a computer. It took over like leaven, Jesus said. It's it's like sin almost, but it's the, it does what sin does, but it does it for good. It's like God says, okay, I'll beat the virus with another virus. I'll put another virus. If they'll just receive this virus, it'll overcome inside them. It's not a lot of work. It's what, it's not as much work as we're making it. It's a matter of seeing and believing and letting him multiply within us as we simply behold and talk the truth one to another. It's not supposed to be like 80 years old, we finally get the truth. It's not supposed to happen like that. Those were young kids. Those were 20-year-old kids, those apostles that turned the world upside down. How did they get it so fast? Because it's not a matter of time. It's not a matter of a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. It's they simply believed that he really did it. We're in heaven. We've already been raised from the dead, awaiting the redemption of our bodies, but we're there now, bud. We can't be any more righteous than we are now. We can't be loved anymore by God. We cannot be loved any less by God. We are there. And it's good news for the world. Ah. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us see these things. Lord, I pray that you would help me speak in the meeting, the next meeting. Help us to communicate the awesome reality of the kingdom of heaven. This alternate reality that you've brought to us. Oh, as you told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, it's another world. For we truly have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. And that, in that kingdom, the sunrise from on high is always rising. He has come from heaven to lead our feet into the way of peace. And now we stand in this grace. We stand in this grace by faith with exceeding joy and hope of the full manifestation of that kingdom when you come again, Lord. But now we enjoy, we enjoy you and we enjoy that realm within. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Open our eyes, Lord, to see. Open our eyes to see what which was hidden in God and now revealed. For we speak the mystery of God, in a mystery, the wisdom of God in a mystery. For it is given unto you. It is given unto you to know 
the mysteries of the kingdom. For many prophets and kings have desired to see and hear the things that you see and hear, and they did not. Blessed are your eyes and blessed are your ears that hear these things. For it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Rejoice. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom. Purchase with a great price. Enjoy. Eat and drink. And remember my body, my blood, until I come again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.